Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. We're coming to you today from Long Beach, California, from the Long Beach Convention Center and the Cannabis Science Conference 2022. Um, and we've had an opportunity to sit down and talk with some great guests and people who are here trying to learn as much as they can about cannabis and trying to share as much as they can about cannabis to an audience of clinicians and doctors and kind of curious just to make sure people get the information they need to navigate this crazy landscape out here across this country and around the world when it comes to cannabis. And our guest today spent many years in the Amazon rainforest learning about medicinal botanicals. He has focused his attention on the cannabis plant in the last seven years and believes in combining cannabis with Amazon herbs for healing benefits. He's the author of Traditional Uses of Rainforest Botanicals and Healing Ourselves, Healing Our Planet. Amazon, John Easterly. Welcome, sir. Thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt today. Uh, thank you, Montel. Good to be with you. Sure. Let's back up and talk a little about where you're from, what, who you are. Yeah. Well, I grew up in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember in the sixth grade, we had uh, we used to get these weekly readers that had stories about kids your age in other parts of the world. And so there was a story about this kid in Peru uh, wandering around the highlands, and I thought, you know, that's, that's for me. And uh, so I applied for a transfer, and they said, wait a minute, you're in the sixth grade. <laughs> you can't transfer to Peru, <laughs> right? So it was kind of a dream deferred for many years, and I got done with uh, school in the University of North Carolina. And uh, You were just fascinated your whole life and wanted to go down and see what it was like. And I sold my car and bought a ticket to Ecuador. Exactly oh, wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What uh, year was this? Uh, 1977. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I was a little bit ahead of you, but um, – 77. So you go down and head to Ecuador. Was it everything you thought it was going to be and, and more and then some? And and more. Yeah. I mean, I you know had two weeks to find a lost city of gold. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were looking for that lost city of gold, huh? Yeah, just uh, $600 from my car sale and uh, realized. Rich back then. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of money, but, mm-hmm. but not enough to finance the actual discovery of a lost city. I found gotcha. it pretty quick. So I came back with a handful of uh, just artifacts, artisanious things, and uh, and sold them and had money for another ticket. And I thought this is going to work out after all. So I've been uh, rolling down there now almost 40, 40 years and went through a series of uh, things, uh, like pre-Columbian artifacts and uh, later a lot of gemstones in Brazil. So, I mean, first you were literally kind of pursuing an entrepreneurial kind of a trip, yeah. right? You were going down there, finding products, bringing them back here and selling them? Yep. Make enough money, go back down there, buy some more products, right. bring them back here and yeah. selling them, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. I go down and wander around for two or three months at a time, just traveling and exploring and then come back with enough goods to to get off of to finance another another run. Went through a lot of gemstones and uh, eventually in the early uh, 80s, I uh, found myself upriver in the Amazon uh, basin with some Shipibo Kanibo Indians and working uh, at that point with tribal artifacts, mm-hmm. carved monkey bones and blow guns and, and this sort of thing. And uh, my challenge was that a long-lasting challenge that, that I had hepatitis and Rocky Mountain spotted fever and a near-death experience in oh, wow. 1970. And coming out of that, I came back, but not all the way. You know, I mean, all about 70 percent, and just couldn't get that other 30 percent back. And the doctors were insisting how lucky I was to be alive. And, and you got that fever down there, and I Amazon. got that fever in North Carolina. Oh my goodness! 
Yeah, sure did. And what went back down there not knowing you had it, and then it started hitting you really hard well, while you were there. Is that yeah, right? it would. Uh, it would just come on and uh, with with a, with a fever and and uh, and fatigue, and just have to kind of lay down for a day or so. And mm-hmm. there was happened to me upriver, and they looked at me. I tried to explain what it was. They just went off and gathered up some when they got to Shanka Piedra, Sangre de Drago, a variety of Amazonian botanicals. Brewed it into a tea, started feeding me, and I started responding like right away. Now, had you been treated for the spotted fever here in the United States before you went back down there, or had you gone? Yeah, through there wasn't there wasn't much treatment. It was just uh, you know just live through it and uh, and claw your way back. Gotcha. But when you but but when you were on that little journey up in the Amazon, yeah, some of the indigenous people then found something for you. And did it cure you? Did it relieve you? Well, it, you know what it was. You know, I just I would just have a, uh, you know, my my mental acuity wasn't as good as it used to be. I would fatigue very easily, and this had been going on for like what, seven years. Wow! And uh, so they they fed me this stuff, and in two days, uh, I thought, you know what, I'm feeling as good as I did before I was sick. Wow! Another two days, I thought, you know, I'm feeling probably better than I've ever felt. Wow! And then I t- another two days, and I thought. You know what? I've been coming down all these years looking for treasure, chopping this stuff down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the treasure is right here. It's growing right out of the ground. Yeah. And then it's, that started you on your journey to learn as much as you could about Amazonian botanicals. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Montel. It just immediately I thought, you know, I've got to, other people need to know about this. And I came back and eventually ran into a group of doctors who were, uh, you know, they, they, had, they knew what my condition was before. We're saying, what happened to you? I explained it. We started working with these botanicals and formulating products and started another, you know, 30, 30 years of, uh, of formulation and working with Amazon Medicine. Doesn't it, it, doesn't it just absolutely blow your mind, though, that 30 years ago, you had answers to some questions that lots of folks have through these botanicals, but now still 30 years later, I don't see them on the shelf. Yeah. I don't walk into GNC and see mm-hmm. Amazonian botanicals. I don't mm-hmm. walk into CVS and see Amazonian botanicals, and I should. Yeah. Well, yeah. And why don't should. I? Yeah. Well, we, uh, you know, we we moved about a hundred million dollars worth of product over twenty-seven years to people, but you know, that's a that's that's a, that's a blink in the eye in, in the industry that we're that we're talking about, and you're beginning to see some things on the shelf. Some of the more popular things are are beginning to show up. So I'm uh, I'm I'm still very very encouraged about that, and especially with the new data and the new research coming around about some of these Amazonian botanicals and and dealing with degenerative issues and uh, and cancer in particular. I mean, these have been products and, or substances that have been around since the dawn of man. Indigenous people have kind of probably known about them, been treating themselves as whether they be shaman or whatever, they've been treating themselves with this, but it never really has translated into. Western medicine, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden in the last couple of years now, all of a sudden people are on a mushroom or psychedelic trip, you know, looking at various psychedelics around the world that have been used for thousands of years. Yeah. And Western medicine won't accept it unless they created it. And unless they created yeah. it in a laboratory rather than a test tube, then actually something that was created here by nature. Yeah, yeah you're right. And, and they, I can... And these are the same people who claim that they believe in science, so therefore they believe in, you know, for every action there's an equal and opposite action, reaction on the planet, for everything that is here. So therefore, 
for every disease that's here. The planet probably has already created the cure for that disease. I believe that. So why can't we accept that? Well, there's a, you know, that's a, there's a multifaceted answer to that question, but sure. really it comes Let's take down. a few of them. Go ahead. Go right. after it. Okay. The, uh, you know, take an example, Sangre de Drago. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a sap that I've been using for, for a long, long time. One of the very first things they gave me, and it's called a signature plant. It's a uh, croton lachiri. It grows up, fast-growing Amazon plant, 30 feet. You hit it with a machete, it bleeds. This sap looks just like blood. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, that that's really wonderful for wound healing. You've got fibroblast cells. Uh, it encourages fibroblast cell movement, which is, which is the wound healing, mm-hmm. which is one of the things it's used for there. What they found out later, it has these taspins in it, which is an uh, extraordinary antiviral, especially with herpes. Mm-hmm. Now, herpes, that's a, uh, you know, it's one out of four people carrying a, carrying a herpes virus. Sure. So this is a multi-billion dollar target for drug companies, and they, they jumped on it. It was a company, a shaman pharmaceutical, who started trying to take this material. And they did this study on it and said, yes, this is something, th- this works. So, and then the follow-on question, which never made sense to me, was, Let's make a drug out of it. Mm. Now, wait a minute. It works. You don't have to make anything sure. out of it, right? Of course. Well, they, don't, they won't let you use plant medicine because they think that you can't grow it the same for every batch, though it's always been growing the same for every batch. However, yeah. they think they can do it better by creating some synthetic molecule in a test tube. Exactly. And that synthetic molecule doesn't contain some of the phyto and nanomolecules that we can't see or don't understand. That's exactly And what they happened. can't add to that. So therefore, they come up with some crap that then doesn't work. And they say, oh, it doesn't work. Throw it away. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much what happened here. But after the first $5 million, they knew there was something there. And they knew they could or they thought they could really get to it. So they, they, they got two other drug companies to partner with them, spent another $15 million, mm-hmm. and could not isolate the compound that they thought was effective and every time they got close, it was too toxic to use. So they spent lots of money showing how good this product is in nature, but then, you know, scrapped the whole thing. Because they couldn't they replicate couldn't, it. it. They couldn't turn it into something that was commercially feasible. So the business model just prevents these things from happening that way. But I don't understand why, if that model doesn't work, the nutraceutical model should be able to work. It's just a plant. So therefore... You know, how can scientists and establishment governments prohibit your own personal use of that plant? Well, they can't prohibit your personal use of the plant. So in this case, they've got a sap. They're trying to make a drug out of it. They can't make a drug out of it because then they don't sell sap. Well, I did. I sold sap, you know. Mm -hmm. We could sell this material, although... The law, the Dietary Health Education Act, yeah, you can make structure function claims, but we can't say, we couldn't say this is really great for herpes. Right. We could say, you know, this reinforces your your basic immune system with anthocyanidins. Mm -hmm. People would think, well, I've got herpes. I don't know anything about that. Right. So that was the, that's the block. You couldn't use a disease name and still can. I mean, it's the same law as in effect. So it really takes a lot of education and a lot of motivation on, on the part of people who would, who would like to have better health to really dig in and look at the research because all this data is, you know, it's there to be viewed. It's crazy. And give me a couple more examples of some other botanicals that um, could uh, be breakthrough kind of medications. Uh, Pata de Vaca 
and uh, Pedrumaca. These are uh, plants in Brazil that are used for diabetes and balancing blood sugar. And, and these are so simple, you just boil it in water, right? And it just reduces the blood sugar. So likewise, same path, you know, you're doing the studies and you couldn't, they couldn't isolate a compound that had that same effect. You had to have the whole plant to have that effect. And every, each compound they isolated, and they isolated seven of them and ran them down, and there was no, there was no benefit. But, but if they isolated seven, why couldn't they isolate the seven and put the seven together and try to get the benefit from using all of them at the same time? Why can't you just take the leaf and put it in hot water and drink it? I know. I, 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 I'm telling you, why not? Why can't we? Yeah. I mean, they allow me to drink herbal tea. Yeah. They allow me yep. to drink green tea. We know that green tea does have an effect on your heart. Yep. And we can say that. They say that, or they say that clearly in advertising with green tea. So why not take that leaf and say it has an effect? I didn't say what kind of effect. Yeah, effect. We could. We did take that leaf, and that's what we did. And the effect was this supports normal pancreatic function. Mm-hmm. And people just don't, aren't educated enough to understand, well, that's, that's your blood sugar balancing, right? right? They say, well, I've got diabetes. I don't know anything about this pancreas thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's a little bit, you're really dependent on, a, on, a, on an educated audience and or getting that information out there, you know, and really, and, but, but then, we tried to put it on the website. Okay, here's all the research on this. But every time it was research where it mentioned a disease, you would have to take that away. So you could just talk about the structure function aspect of these botanicals. See, that's, that's the one thing that I just, I, I just don't understand. I'm not, I mean, this is not about what you're doing, but it's about even the cannabis industry. I mean, in, in cannabis, we should and we are capable and able to Educate the masses on cannabis. I should be able to speak from here to eternity on the endocannabinoid system. I didn't make a claim. I said that the claim I'm going to make is the same claim that the scientists make, is that we know that the endocannabinoid system and the endogenous cannabinoids that humans and mammals produce themselves, close to 100 of them, literally have an effect on cellular homeostasis. That's not me talking. That's science talking. I can say those words. Now, you say, well, okay, you can say that, but most educated, most people don't understand what cellular homeostasis means. I can also yeah. take an entire paragraph and explain what homo- cellular homeostasis is. Now, can I put all of them together and say that it may do X, Y, Z? No. But I can put all of them together on the same page and point right. to and say, I need you to read these three things. I mean, I think one of the things that's going on is that, you know, we've hit a point now where we have to go back to the basics of education and try our best to force feed some of this down the consumer's throat. Mm -hmm. And then we can throw my nose up at the FDA and all these other clowns who tell me you can't make claims. I'm not. I'm making associations and there's nothing wrong with that. You do that in medical school. Right. And if you have, you know, if you have a company, right, where you actually make these products available, mm-hmm. then it's very restricted what you can say. Right. Now, I sold that company, so I'm just kind of, I'm free range, right? Sure. So I'm, I'm telling you right. <laughs> exactly what I'm telling you and uh, encouraging people to tune in. And there are some resources. There's one, uh, a Green Med Info, which is really interesting because all of these studies on these botanicals that have been done, 
people have a hard time finding them because they'll Google, you know, the name of the botanical and end up with all this hype and all this story and everything. And you really want uh, the basic research. Yeah, they have a they have a database where you can plug that in and it will just bring up the studies that have been done. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So, and you'll probably find that that a lot of these botanicals have gotten thousands of studies done on them, right? It's surprising. Yeah, I mean, when they gave me this this tea, uh, you know, after I had my experience with it, I said, "Gee whiz, you know, wonder why I got that, right?" Because we're trained to think, "What are the mechanisms of action?" Mm -hmm. So I started looking them up and researching them, and you know, I found out like the one that that was in there. It stimulates uh, these oxindol alkaloids in the bark, stimulate macrophage, phagocytosis, you know, to stimulate the immune system. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's important. Chancopiedra, another one that was in there, uh, actually breaks down calculi in the, in the body. I, I find it to be infallible for kidney stones, but you also get this calculi buildup in the ducts of the liver, and then virus will tend to colonize around that. So it eliminated mm-hmm. that. And part of my issue was, was hepatitis at the time, hepatitis and Rocky Mountain spider fever. Right. I'm thinking, how did these guys know that? And then they gave me the Sangre de Drago with the proanthocyanidins. So everything they had given me played a real role. And you wanted just by looking at me. And, mm-hmm. you know, they went off and gathered this material up. And when so, now you do wonder, how did they know that? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a treasure house of information that the, I call them the curanderos that I work with, or, you know, the people call them shaman or the medicine mm-hmm. men. And we're losing that resource. I mean, that resource is, uh, you know, generations of mm-hmm. history. And many of these communities in the Amazon don't have a written language because there's nothing to write on it all rots. And sure. so, so it's a, you know, it's everyone passed on by word of mouth. And now, as the we're losing that resource, as, right. as, as each of these guys die, it's like a library burns down. Right, right. And there's not a generation after them willing to want to be learned because they've been yeah. messing around with those electronic devices and they're, don't they're, care. Yeah, they're moving downriver, and you know, it's uh, it's a it's a little bit different world now. Now, you started to find that uh, mixing botanicals with cannabis elicits even a greater response for cannabis. Is that right? Uh, yeah. It's uh yeah it's a you know a synergistic effect you know mm-hmm. one plus one equals three sort of thing, and you know when Raphael uh, Micholum mm-hmm. you know, really discovered like the endocannabinoid system and right. said hey we have an endocannabinoid receptor site on practically every cell in our body right I'm thinking well this is terrific you know if you have a receptor site and you're introducing cannabinoids, then the receptor sites open, you have this binding. So what if we combine something with that, that we, we know has a therapeutic benefit, then maybe there's that door opens, so to speak, mm-hmm. that receptor opens, you know, you'll have better activity, uh, you know, with the other compounds we want sure. to introduce. And that seems to be uh, what's happening. And some of the research you see with like radiation and chemotherapy. Absolutely. And that's out of Australia right now. It talks about the fact that Cannabis with uh, utilizing with radiation does help to seem to stop some of the proliferation of certain cancer cells from replicating. We know that. We also know that, uh, you know, some of the minor cannabinoids that we've never even literally looked at as close as we should look at, like CBDA and CBGA, mm-hmm. bind with the spike protein of the, the 
COVID virus. That presentation is going on right now downstairs. I just right. left it to come up here. Wow. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but that information, you know, what's so crazy about this is that, to me, is that, you know, what, four or five, three years ago, this, the former administration had the nerve to say, well, we're going to go warp speed to figure out a way to solve the problem of COVID around the world. <laughs> Yet they find out now. They find out shortly after, and they found this out, what, about a year and a half ago, that cannabis and minor cannabinoids did have an effect on the COVID virus. They couldn't figure out what it was. It wasn't until I think it was like February of last year. No, sorry. October, September, October of last year that somebody actually put out a peer-reviewed published document that said, you know, this is something weird about these minor cannabinoids and the spike protein. So they put that out. So why didn't we go warp factor six and start studying that That's, and putting out something right now that could literally be a prophylactic to stop anybody yeah, from getting yeah. COVID? And it actually does stop it. Correct. And it's uh, and it's the acidic form of the cannabinoids. CBGA, Correct. CBDA, THCA. Correct. And it's right there. I mean, it, it blows my mind that that's not on the front page of every uh, newspaper and on the nightly news. It, it blows my mind, but it also then reiterates and reinforces in my mind the fact that the reason why nightly news isn't doing it or CNN or Fox is because they don't control what they are able to disseminate. They know that Big Pharma, who's paying for their ability to be on the air, needs them to keep their mouth shut. Are you going yeah. you kidding me? You're going to tell me that there's a weed? Let's get the truth because the hemp plant and sativa, the cannabis plant is a weed. So there's a weed out there that can do a better job than anything I can do in the laboratory at Eli Lilly. After you, no, don't say that. You can't say that. They're not going to let you say that because they know that at the end of the day, the public will not allow themselves to think about spending it's just like epidiolex give me a break i'm gonna pay 1400 bucks or something that i could get for five <laughs> chill out uh it, you're, you're 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 winding me up i mean i feel the same way you it, should it get enrages wild up. me it enrages me to see that happen time and time and time again i've seen it with uh with other research like i just pointed out with other botanicals and we're mm. seeing it you know, right now with this. But I think that word's going to spread pretty quick, uh, the CBGA, CBDA. I sure I hope really so. Hope I, I, I've, been, I've been just so just so disappointed in the fact that, you know, I've mentioned this to a couple of people who I know who are doctors who are licensed doctors and practicing, and they look at me like I'm an alien, and I look at them like they're an alien. Because how dare you claim to be a doctor Doctors are supposed to be inquisitive. Doctors are supposed to want to continue to learn about their field. And they will validate science that's 60, 70 years old on bullshit, but they won't validate the science that is being created right now. It just it, it blows my mind. But again, it's the pharmaceutical industry because they don't, they're afraid that they're not going to get that $50 million grant for some crappy study that they're doing or some molecule that they thought they created in a test tube. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an old, uh, an old uh, issue that's just circling back around, you know, from early on in, in America where you could buy, right? You could buy cannabis right over the counter. You Absolutely. could buy all this. 
And then once you got into groups that says, well, let's do an isolate and have more control, you know, under the guise of safety and that sort of thing, really it's about control, then that got left behind. So it's almost a... That, that's that's what got left behind on day one. And people don't understand. Cannabis was made illegal in the United States because of the Marijuana Tax Act, folks. They didn't go after it saying it's the Illegal Drug Act. They went after it saying it's the Marijuana Tax Act. Why? Because they knew that they would not be able to tax a seed from one state across another state line. Couldn't do it. it it's impossible. I can't prove that that's a seed that that guy grew over there, uh, that he grew that one in uh, California. Nuts guy grew his in New Mexico. So let's just say no. You can't transfer any of that across state lines so that's what started this entire process and then of course and they decided to make sure they vilified it by blaming it on them darkies for bringing it in here when cannabis has been used for two thousand years <laughs> longer so, than that yeah yeah, yeah 2700 mm-hmm. years right i've been written yeah. about i guess first time in the I Ching, but but it, it's just so bizarre to me that it's 2022 and we aren't smart enough actually think hmm how can i let my government do me wrong like this stay with us we'll be right back do you want to know how to become a social media influencer how to grow an online business how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company well i'm going to show you how in my podcast living the red life i built a million dollar company at the age of 25 a 10 million dollar company at the age of 30 and now i'm the a-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using facebook ads marketing social media my name is rudy moore and i'm super pumped to bring you my podcast living the red life i know this is going to become your new favorite podcast and i'm going to show you how to grow profitable online companies step by step every single week Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's 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 a, it's it's a crime. I mean, it's it's wrong. It's just wrong. Absolutely. And I went through the process when I was bringing material back in the beginning. Well, I bet you had a problem. Oh well, yeah. I mean, we had the DEA, we had customs, we had agriculture, and, and at the end of the run, we had uh, Homeland Security, where you had to give them a three days advance notice before you brought any material back. And you were talking about just it the just, botanicals. Uh, I'm talking about botanicals. Yeah, it was so regulated. But I'll get into arguments with doctors. I would, I would go into their office and say, listen, you're, you're a doctor, right? You're helping people. I've got something that's really extraordinary here, right? I was just naive when it happened to me. And I said, hey, this is exciting. You should know about it. And I'd say, well, you know, where's, where's the data? Where's the research? So I'd ship them a box of research and data. Oh, they wouldn't get around to reading it. I said, well, this makes a big difference in patients' lives. And when I would leave their office and go through the lobby, the patients would follow me out into the hall. Hey, I heard you talking about, what is this about? So I realized that that was more of a barrier than the gateway. Because you so, were bringing them products in boxes, putting it in their office so they could give it out and break themselves off a little piece of it so they made a little money. That's what the problem was. You weren't giving a kickback, homie. <laughs> you know, I'm so well, sorry, but it's, it's like, you know, we have hit a point here in the United States and I think, especially here with Americans, where we're starting to recognize the fact that the pharmaceutical industry has been ripping us off for now 60 years. They charge us 10 times they charge anybody else in the world. And the rest of the world who can't afford medicines are starting to say, excuse me, why am I going to pay even $5 for that crap that the United States just sent me when I can see homie up the end of the rainforest and he can give me a little cup of tea and I'm fine? <laughs> 
Well, that's, you know, hopefully people are recognizing that. I think they are more and more. I'm getting a bigger, bigger response, to, you know, and, 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 uh, and, the, and the dietary supplement industry continues to grow right. and it's there. But the normal, you know, channels, like I thought, would go to the doctors. And it turned out not to be the case. You go directly to the patients. They're the ones that want it. They're the ones that need let it. Me, let me ask you a question. What? This is the thing about, again, this is the thing I, I complain about my industry, my industry, our industry. I complain about it more than I speak positively about it, is that the worst thing we do is understand how to even interest people in the medication that we have. And what I mean by that is that look at the history of the pharmaceutical industry. You, they don't run advertisements on TV so doctors can look at it. The pharmaceutical industry controls probably 80% of all the commercial time on TV. That's a little high, 70%. And out of that 70% that they control, they direct those ads right at the consumer. They try to tell a consumer, hmm, if you have this problem, take this pill. Let me tell you why this pill works. Go ask your doctor. That's at the end of all the commercials. They say, go ask your doctor. So they're driving the consumer into the doctor's office. The doctor's going, I don't know about that. Look at the commercial, fool. Then he picks up the phone, calls whatever, whoever it might be, whatever the pharmaceutical company is. And, of course, they have a rep show up the next day. Rep flies in on a Learjet, lands, leaves them some supplies in their office. And then they start promoting that product. We in cannabis are afraid to, first off, spend money on our own business before we are ready to go buy ourselves a Lamborghini or a Maserati or a boat or a yacht. So we will line our pockets with as much cash as we can to get our consumer game on rather than understand that why don't you break off 20% of what you just made and educate the consumer. You don't have to say, you can't say in any state in this country, go buy XYZ product. You can say, let me tell you what cannabis does. You can say in a 30-second commercial, you know what? There's been a lot of research done in the last 15 years that is starting to indicate that cannabis and its integral component parts, cannabinoids, have a very interesting effect on the human body. And they have that interesting effect because human beings, like all mammals, have this thing called an endocannabinoid system. If you want to learn more about that, just go down and ask your doctor. Ask your family doctor. Now, a lot of the cannabis companies are afraid to do that. They have no reason to be afraid to do that. You can put that commercial on the air, spend the money today. And what's that going to do? That's going to force Dr. John Smith to do his, you know what, research. Because one patient walks in the door and asks a question, he don't care. Two walk in and ask a question, and the, the second one who walks in says, well, since you don't know, I'm going to go see Dr. John Jones. Uh, now all of a sudden I'm losing patients. Homeboy's going to light up. But we won't spend the money. We're too busy trying to buy ourselves the next little toy that we could buy for ourselves rather than understand that we could actually grow this industry if we put more money back into educating the consumer. Yeah. Well, if you could find uh, some, some TV stations that would run those ads, and then the doctor, there's a loophole there because he's going to say, well, I don't have any uh, pharmaceutical product that I can give to these patients. 
Ah, but as a patient, I still hold that doctor accountable. What? You don't know anything about cannabinoids? Well, let me go see the doctor who does. The first doctor who says that I can at least provide you with educational materials, the flow is going to start going in that direction. See, I, I, I just, I think we've made, we've allowed ourselves when you said, find a TV station that will run that article, run that ad. I'm going to tell you, they all will run that ad. There's not a local TV station in this country who's not hurting for money right now. And whether or not they start running the ad at 2 o'clock in the morning, then 1 o'clock in the morning, then 12 o'clock in the morning, you know, let's go back and remember, there was a while here in this country where almost every television station in this country ran some sort of pornographic commercials after midnight. Almost all of them did. But now they run car ads. They run, they won't run cigarettes, but they run... It goes to the highest bidder. If I walk in the door on a local television station that's hurting right now for revenue, they're running those ads. They're running the ads as long as they are within the constraints of the federal guidelines. And, you know, the federal guidelines just prohibit me from saying one or two, making claims about cannabis. And the second one prohibits me from marketing a specific product. But education is not a product. Yeah. And we should be spending our time educating the masses. Yeah, That's to me. That's I mean, what I think. Well, I mean, there's such important and valuable therapeutics here. And you have a chunk of the population enjoying that, telling other people, and that's growing. But the mass consumer who's brainwashed with all the pharma ads, mm-hmm. I mean, I know doctors, these are very highly credible doctors and they do they do they do the botanicals and they you know they they guide people to where they can get proper uh, cannabis medicine and and all of that but they have patients coming to them they say John they said these people are driving me mad they come in here every day and say hey I saw this ad and the girl's running across the field and there's a purple butterfly and I want to feel like that do you right. can I can I get some of that and right. I say no you can't I'm not going to prescribe that for you it's just not it's just not a fit and they go doctor shopping until, until they find it. But see, I mean, the point that I'm making about those ads is not that I'm supporting pharma, but they understood that the only way they could break through, I don't care what the drug is, the only way they're going to break through with that drug is to stick it in enough living rooms to make that person ask a doctor, then the doctor will find, or they, if they can't find the right doctor, they'll find a doctor that will prescribe them that drug. So... We in this industry and in the botanical industry, we need to do the same thing. Start educating them and saying that you've been misled because there are other things out here that actually have been for thousands of years doing and been attributed to do X, Y, Z. I'm not saying it's going to cure cancer. I'm not saying that it's going to cure whatever your illness is. I'm just going to tell you that for thousands of years, people in indigenous and countries that don't have as much money as we have, have been using these as their alternative medications, and some of them have done well well by it. So maybe you ought to find out a little bit more information about it. Just throw it out like that. Yeah. And, well, and you know, but again, you got to convince an industry that's that's got too much green in their vision. And I'm not talking about cannabis green. I'm talking about cash green in their vision, wanting to accumulate more than that than they do want to take care of their patients. I mean, I really, yeah. I'm, I'm sad, and that's 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 my take. But yeah. you know. Yeah, I went around the when I when I had the Amazon Herb Company, I went around the country and I do I mean for for years, for decades, and mm-hmm. doing presentations to people 
literally in, in hundreds and hundreds of little towns, big towns, and, and all over. And that's where we, we got our consumers from. And where, yeah, well, the reaction was good, was it not? The reaction must have been really good. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, right. that's, what, that's what grew the whole company. Right. And I think you mentioned yesterday the idea of doing, doing a show, right? You doing a show, oh, right? Oh, you yeah, approve yeah. an entity, you know, around the same subject just as an educational uh, format to really bring people's education up on what these products are, what is cannabinoids. It's such a dynamic space with so much interest in the new cannabinoids and new research. There's so much going on. It's a uh, it's there's a huge level of interest. It's like I'm I'm just so psyched the fact that yeah. we're talking here right now about you know the uh, you know Amazonian botanicals because I will tell you that there are people who are listening to this conversation that we're having that have heard this now for the very first time. You know, people who don't recognize that you know that that again, I believe you know didn't Albert Einstein say it? For every action, is an equal and opposite reaction. Well, if that's science and that's supposedly science from one of the greatest minds of the last century. He's telling you the truth. So for every action on this planet, every disease on this planet, the planet created something that was opposite that. I believe that's my take on it. I think that, you know, uh, like there's a, you know, there's probably already burned down and destroyed in the Amazon was a cure for MS, maybe, possibly. A cure for every name disease that you have on this planet. It was it, There's something that exists to counter it. Well, if you look at the statistics on it, you've got approximately 100,000 plants. Mm -hmm. And of that, you have less than 5% that have really been looked at for the therapeutic value, yet you have almost 40% of pharma drugs come from the footprint of that. Yes. Okay. I mean, they're not, they're not bringing the whole plant forward, right? They're bringing an isolate or a footprint or a, a patentable compound right. from that. That they have now synthesized because they can't patent the plant yeah. compound. And, well, you may have yeah, except for the effects. Yeah. Sure. So that's okay. We've got something for that as well. Mm -hmm, <laughs> I, mean, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating system to, uh, to deal in. Now, on, on the one hand, and on the other hand, there's a, a growing interest and a growing base and more and more people really becoming educated and doing it. Right. And, uh, and Well, I applaud you as one of those people who have led the path, you know, and, then, and uh, led the – the, the march to get people to understand that there's more out here than we're just being force fed. Yeah, there's more. Absolutely. Well, well, so let's go back to talk a little bit more about the combination between some botanicals and cannabis and what you've seen recently. Well, I think uh, some of the ones that I, that I just mentioned, I mean, um, Onye Gato, for example, has, uh, has, has some data with, uh, uh, with breast cancer cells preventing, mm. uh, preventing the, uh, the growth of, of breast cancer cells. Uh, Graviola is, uh, is another one. It's a big tree, grows in the Amazon. I've got 2,000 of them growing in the Peruvian rainforest right now. And it has, this, has a leaf on it, and this leaf is full of these compounds called acetogens. Mm -hmm. Cetogens have an affinity for fast-growing cells. They're attracted to fast-growing cells, i.e. cancer cells. Right. They're growing, they're replicating faster than your normal cells, and you develop a, a tumor. Mm -hmm. Now, when you have that tumor, the tumor, as it grows, it needs, it needs more nutrition. It needs more uh, nutrients than the surrounding cells. So it'll begin to put out its own vascularity, right, to go out there and get right. that and continues mm -hmm. to grow. These acetogens have a fascinating ability to go where the fast-growing cells are. 
i.e. Block the blood source? And block the blood source, anti-angiogenesis effect, mm -hmm. and really compromise uh, that cell mm. and its ability, or, or the tumor, and its ability to continue to progress. And that's, a, that's a very, very fascinating one that we've been working with for a, for, for a pretty good while. And we give it out to people. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm sure. Amazon John, treasure hunter. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is the treasure. And we want to make this available and you know, obviously, with we had we had over two hundred thousand people that had used some of our products at some point or another, and so we've gotten the, the feedback, and that's and that's what's happening. And this is not me just saying that. I mean, there's 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 science on that. Sure. All you have to do is is take a look. Um, so these compounds are are there now. How does it interface with cannabis? Well, I think my 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 hypothesis on this is that the the fact that we have receptor sites on every cell in the body provides a gateway for delivery of that material, like you're seeing in some of the studies you referenced. Like so like the, basically the, the cannabinoids could be the taxi cab carrying the passenger. It could be the taxi cab, and the cannabinoids themselves also have you know anti-inflammatory. Yes. They, they create apoptosis. And so several of the things that you want to see happen, uh, you know, if, if, that's, if that's the issue that you've got, are happening at that stage. And when they do happen, uh, you want to create that apoptosis. You may create a little inflammatory response, you know, once you cut off its nutrients, and that's mm -hmm. going to attract the immune system to trigger, right, to go after that. Right. So uh, other plants that, you know, bring your immune system up are important. And then you create that apoptosis. Now you've got cellular debris you have to get rid of because mm -hmm. it'll clog your lymphatics and, and then prevent the whole cycle from continuing. So you need detoxification and lymphatic drainage uh, botanicals with all of that too. And that's not very difficult to understand. Right, so no. Explain it, hey, here it is. This is what you want to do. This is the way you want to address it. And, and that's the way, you know, we go about it with uh, botanical medicine and, and the cannabis too. And there's nothing that you said I heard that was illegal or something that you can't actually say to the public. You didn't make a claim. No, I'm just I'm just reciting what it does. science and telling you what it's done, what, sure. what we've seen happen. Right? Sure. Well, I got to tell you, I, I I really appreciate you being here and being a part of our show today. And you always got a home here whenever you want to come back. Right. Um, let me know if you ever got anything you want to talk about. We could definitely chop it up again yeah. at another time. And, um, you know, I'll make sure if, if people wanted to get more information, where would they go? Uh, well, I have a, a little Instagram that I haven't really been active with, but I've been encouraged to get active with okay, it sure. and start doing a podcast and thing. There's uh, The Real Amazon John. Okay, realamazonjohn.com? Uh, no, it's at The Real Amazon John. At The Real Amazon yeah. John. Okay, Amazon John. Yeah. Okay, well, I, that's good. And then anything else? Uh, like that? That's it. Okay. Uh, yep. This has been great, my friend, and I thank you so much. And uh, you've already done your lecture here at the conference. I did. I did. It How morning. was it received? Uh, I, I thought it was really, really, really good. As good. a lot of people followed me out, I had additional questions. You know, sure. only had limited amount of space to present a pretty big topic. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and are you presenting anywhere else near in the future? Close? Uh, uh, Throw out a, a actually date last time? night. I just presented in Australia via uh, uh, Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, okay. and they have their big. Called United in Compassion Cannabis Conference going on right now. Okay, and couldn't be there, but uh, my wife Olivia and I presented uh, via via the Zoom. Super to, to the nurse group down there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the the forum you have here and your ability to reach a lot of people with with really these very very important topics and. 
Pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.